All right, welcome back, everybody, to Story, Symbol, Spirit, a podcast about how to make sense of Scripture. My name is John McCambridge, and as always, I am here with... Jackie Mitchell. Jackie Mitchell. How are you today, Jackie? Great. Beautiful day out. I know. It's finally nice here in Columbus, Ohio. I ate lunch outside. I'm a little burnt. We've got we've got uh, two weeks of spring. Right. And then it'll probably snow again. Right, and then it'll just jump and then it'll to just summer. Be really hot. Yeah. And humid. Right. Unlivable in just the other direction. Enjoy the two weeks. <laughs> By the time this is out, it'll probably be right. horrible, right. but yeah. Well, this is going to come out a few weeks after Easter, but we just wrapped up our Easter weekend, yeah. you know, in real time when we're recording this. Uh, how, how did uh, how did it go for you? It was great. Playing the keys? A lot of, a lot of keys playing. Your hands A lot tired? of keys playing. Yeah, I do, actually. Or pretending. I, I pretend I to play. To we just play yet. the we play the tracks. Yeah, <laughs> I do. They had me really high up on a riser, I know, and I was so really scared high. to fall. I thought for sure I was gonna like step back. Yeah, and just and they had like outlined it with bright like neon tape, like the production guys. It's kind of funny, like as a keyboardist, when you start kind of like jamming. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a tough posture to like look cool and jam in, you know? Yeah, the high schoolers made fun of me on Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, and then I a bunch that. of our high schoolers that like came to the weekend services made fun of me then too. They were like, you look really funny when you like get into a song. And because I was like, sorry, I'm worshiping. There, <laughs> well, there's all kinds of cool things you could do like on a guitar. I know. Right? And you kind of look cool when you play and with it. a microphone. When you're like into a keys part, you're kind of like hunched over. And a drummer it's not, always yeah, looks cool. Yeah, I know. But the keys are just kind of like cool. hunched over. You're hunched. Yeah. You're in the back. I'm like really high up for some reason. It's like how hard can you really bang the keys? Yeah, it's you know? it's it's way harder to look cool, <laughs> I think, playing keys than anything else. But it's fine. Yeah, but you were pretty high up, so it was a little bit dangerous. There was some. There I was, was nervous. Some, some danger in that. I was scared. So when you were growing up, what was what was Easter weekend like for you for your family? We were always involved um, in, in the church. Yeah, and, and so my parents were you know, both in the choir. My mom was like on the worship team. Um, So we were always there. I always tell the story one time on an Easter weekend, my brother and I were young. My brother was maybe like, my younger brother was like maybe five or six. And someone asked him, hey, how's it going? Like, what have you been doing lately? And he was like, well, we come here and then we go back home. And then we just come here again (laughs) and we go back home. We've been at so many like Easter rehearsals and stuff, just, just like tagged along it. with our parents that my brother was like sick of it. But <laughs> yeah, we were always pretty involved. I, I liked Easter. We went to a big church. What was like your Easter meal as a family? Oh, ham. Ham. Yeah. Were you, I mean, did you have ham as well? I feel like I it's absurd so. yeah, my, to have anything else. You my can grandma have. did. She would get like a, or she would actually make a ham, but it was kind of like a honey baked ham situation. It was like sugar on the outside. I feel like Easter is one of those things that you can't have like leeway on like what you serve. Like everyone on Easter serves a ham. For Christmas, you can go like ham, maybe turkey. Yeah. I feel like Easter, it's like you have to do ham. Well, our Christmas is growing up like Thanksgiving was the exact same meal as Christmas. Yeah. And so, like, and it's that, like not that not, far apart. That shouldn't, yeah. that shouldn't happen. Right. Like you need to set a tradition where those things are different. But don't you feel like but the I can't only really thing remember what cuz so for us so my grandma's German so for like New Year's we would do like do sauerkraut, like sauerkraut and yeah. mashed potatoes and uh pork. But then mm-hmm. I don't I think I mean I remember ham at Easter. I don't remember what else what what else is like an Easter staple. No, I swear that it's the same meal 3 times a year, Thanksgiving, Easter and yeah. Christmas, it's just whatever, like, yeah, you have the same sides. You're eating a green bean casserole, a sweet potato casserole. 
That's it. You just switch out. Like, are you having ham or turkey? I do Maybe remember. So I don't want to be controversial because the most feedback we've gotten was over my grape nuts hate. Yeah, so my mother-in-law. Several people, including your my mother-in-law, mother told me that she really likes grape nuts, yeah. and she wanted to let me know that she really likes grape nuts. And then I said, "What do you like about it?" And she said, "Well, I do put a lot of sugar on them." And I was like, "Okay, well, that's grape nuts plus sugar. That's see, this that is tastes point. better." This is my point. We did get a lot of grape nuts. So I don't want to be controversial, but my grandma would always make like an orange. Jello salad. Do you know what a jello salad is? Oh, yeah. Is? And like, that's very like Minnesota, Wisconsin. Yeah. It's not really a salad at all. No, it's just like a jello. Like, the, what she would do is like orange, jello, and cool whip. Right. In some kind of like mold. And then yeah. you'd take it off and it's just like a thing of jello that you get or whatever <laughs> gelatin. Yeah. It's <laughs> I, I not never, really. Never like that. It's not really salad at all, though. No, it's not salad. That's very. That's a very misleading name. <laughs> it's crazy to call that salad. It's absurd. You can, do, you can start doing that with other stuff. Oh, I'm having yeah chocolate salad. <laughs> I'm having ham salad later. <laughs> just a piece of ham. I'm oh, just having a ham sandwich. <laughs> ham salad. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So now we just we basically go to brunch with uh, with my in laws, and then usually go over to a friend's house. And like mm-hmm. this year we had tacos. So like you kind of we kind of nice. like lost the. That that tradition of like this is the Easter meal. I we but didn't I don't think have it's necessary. Yeah. I would say that it's definitely necessary on Thanksgiving, for sure. But that's like the central thing of yeah. the holiday. I would say when you work at a church, it becomes harder to then also do like a big Easter meal if you're yeah. the one who cooks. Yeah, you can't cook anything. I did not do. I was like, no ham. We'll yeah. just eat leftovers. <laughs> it's just did you make anything? Is. The night before my in laws were there, I made like a stuffed shell, and we just like reheated stuffed shells and ate oh, okay. it. Okay. But you just want to nap after all those services. Yeah. And you've yeah, done them. Lot. It's like it's a lot. I don't even want to eat. I just want to go to bed for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. True. But it was good. It was a good weekend here. It was great. So happy Easter to everybody, even yeah. though this is coming out weeks after Easter. He is still risen. Orthodox Easter, right? Yeah, well, that's a week after. There you go. Yeah. And then I believe that there were forty days of the resurrected Christ yeah. showing himself to people. And yeah. so we're still we're still, we're still in, in the it. we're still in the Easter right. tide is what they call it in church history. Oh Easter Tide. I know that. Yeah, so so happy Easter tide to everybody today on story symbol spirit. We're going to get into the second half or the second part of Genesis chapter four. Yeah, we left off on quite the uh, tragedy. Yeah, where did where, where did we leave off exactly? Was it uh, verse, verse 10. ten, verse eleven? Yeah, God was saying, "What have you done? Listen, your brother's oh, blood yeah, cries yeah, out yeah. to me from the ground." Yeah. So last episode we we saw the beginnings of. Um, Sin in action. So, from a story yeah. standpoint, one of the interesting things about this is it's kind of like the death that Adam and Eve released into the world is now mm-hmm. taking on a life of its own mm-hmm. in their own offspring. Yeah. And so Cain embraces this death, yeah. not, not just as something that he is subjected to but he takes it upon himself to bring that upon somebody else. Yeah, for the 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 symbol, or not symbol, the spiritual aspect, you know, we saw that this was a power and that, like, we saw the clear, like, pathway to sin mm-hmm. here, I would say. Like, God warns Cain. We talked about this last week. Yeah, Sin is crouching at the door. If you don't do what's right, it will lead to sin. Right. And then we see sin. And so we see that power take hold of him and him make that choice to lean into that and, and to not do the right thing. Yeah, because once again, God comes to him and sort of invites right. participation in the good, just like he did with Adam and Eve after mm-hmm. they, they eat from the tree. And he says, you know, what, <laughs> what, what why, happened? Are you, why are you hiding from yeah. me? Who told you you're naked? Yeah. 
and he invites this confession. It's sort of this moment of grace, and they don't quite take it. And and Cain certainly doesn't take it because he says, "How would I know where my brother is? Am I my brother's keeper?" Right. It's not even like a blame of other people. He <laughs> yeah. kind of blames God directly there. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of being like a rebellious teenager, you he know, is, when you ask yeah. teenagers normal questions. And it's like a really hostile angry. answer, and you're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I, used to, I remember doing that to Oh, my yeah, I have for sure. My poor parents. How was your day at school? It's fine. Okay, it was you, fine. Jeez. What's wrong with you? You're so annoying. <laughs> I know. Um, and so, uh, you know, Cain takes the life, the life of his, mm-hmm. of his brother. What we talked about last week is the life of perhaps his twin brother. Which yeah. Is, which is quite, I mean, that, that's quite a tragic thing to even think about. Yeah, and we talked about for Adam and Eve, this is like their hope was their offspring. Yeah. According to the promise. the head of the serpent. So to see one of their offspring sin so, you know, egregiously and the other one be killed, it feels like there's hopelessness again right. for them. Right. So um, one thing that's kind of interesting is while Adam and Eve are certainly the ones who bring sin and rebellion into the world, um, the the... Jewish people, you know, the of the people of the Old Testament, they always looked at Cain as the archetype of a sinner. Yeah. Because of what his sin was and the way that that takes the consequence of Adam and Eve's turn from God and mm-hmm. unleashes it into the world in such a such a bad way. And so we talked last time about how the word for sin in Hebrew is chata and in Greek it's hamartia and it means to miss the mark. Mm-hmm. And specifically it means to miss the mark of being a human being. And so mm-hmm. the first you know, 10 episodes that we've been doing this, we've been talking about what it means to be a human and what it means to be a human in God's world and what it means to be an image. And there are certain things that you're supposed to do. And there are certain, there's, there's a role, a task that we have. And so the sin that we see is fundamentally doing the opposite of that which we were created to do. Instead right. of bringing life and flourishing, Cain takes an innocent life yeah, and spills his blood onto the ground instead of creating... He decreates instead of bringing order, he brings disorder and chaos. Right. It's like the opposite of what it means to be a human. Yeah. And he, you know, has been raised by his parents who certainly would tell him, you know, this is this is what happened to us. Right. So he's had the opportunity to learn yeah. from his parents' mistakes and yet, you know, somehow right. he's and degenerated more. He even got personal counsel from God. Yeah. Who said, if you continue down this path, Here's what will happen. And again, this again, a clear laying out. This is what happened in Genesis 3. God said, don't do this. It will hurt you. It will bring sin into the world. And still, we're shocked at the consequences when that happens. Right, right. And so we finished up with, like you said, your brother's blood cries out from the ground, right? Yeah. And so why don't we do 11 and 12? Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground which opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Hmm. Yeah, so this kind of takes you back to, to Genesis 3 because the ground was cursed Yeah. because of sin, right? That was actually, mm-hmm. you know, God didn't actually really curse the man and the woman. The ground was yeah. cursed and things about their image of godness yeah. were cursed. But, but they specifically weren't cursed. The serpent was cursed, and then the ground was cursed. Mm-hmm. And so he said, you know, thorns and thistles you will, you know, will make you work by the sweat of your brow is how we translate it. In Hebrew, it's actually the sweat of your nose. I get that, yeah. Which is interesting. Um, so that your nose is the center of your face. Mm. So most of the time in the Bible when it says something about a face, mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 it's usually nose. Interesting. 
because it's like the center part of, of your face. And so it's like the center of, you know, what, what people look at. Mm-hmm. So from the sweat of your nose, you'll, you'll work thorns and thistles. And uh, that's what he told um, Adam, Cain's father. And now Cain is cursed from the ground. Yeah. So the ground was cursed from Adam. And now Cain is cursed from the ground. He says that the ground will no longer yield literally its strength to you. Yeah. So if you can't work the ground and produce fruit, what are you supposed to do? Right. So, what so else is there? Yeah. So not only was it hard before, now it's impossible for him. Yeah, exactly. Um, he specifically yeah. is cursed from the ground. And so if you can't grow your own food, if you can't, you know, do that on, on a piece of land, then you have to wander. Yeah, forage. And so, so Cain is forced to become a wanderer because the ground's not going to yield to him and it's not going to give him its strength. And so the kind of symbiosis that you see between man and earth, man and creation, created order is fractured. And so for Cain, there's a profound alienation now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's just going to be a vagrant and a wanderer until you go back into the ground. That's yeah. kind of the sentence that, that he gets for this. And it's interesting, again, you know, you have to ask yourself, is God punishing Cain here? Mm. You know, is this like a punishment? Because that is the way that we want to look at it. That's how we understand justice and crime and punishment. Yeah. But, um, but it's not really actively a punishment from God. You know, if you read right. the, the narrative, the innocent blood is spilled onto the ground. Yeah. And has now, you know, the ground is cursed, he spills innocent blood onto the ground. Yeah. And so now the ground has cursed him back. Well, and we, we ended the last podcast asking a, an open-ended question, which was, what do you think justice would be in that situation for Cain, yeah. right? right? Right, And so for us, if we were honest with ourselves, our punishment would be probably death or pain to Cain directly. Right, right, right. right? But God doesn't do that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, so Cain is told that he can't farm. Yeah. And so he's going to wander for the rest of his life. And so then, how about 13 through 15? Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to Cain, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. Yeah, interesting, right? Mm. So Cain gets it. He's 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 done. You yeah. know, I mean, if he can't, if if the ground is not going to yield his strength to him, if he's cursed from the ground because of the blood that he spilled on it, he's not going to have a flock. Yeah, he's not going to be able to make his own food. He's going to be wandering around in the wilderness, and so he becomes easy prey for anyone who finds him. Right. Right. He has no protection. He has no means to trade. He has nothing available that can help him relationally make ties with people. And so, um, you know, he kind of, he, he's like, someone's going to find me and they're going to kill me. Right. And you and I read that and we're like, why does he think someone's going to kill him? Yeah. It's like, well, because he just killed his own he brother. He just killed someone. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He knows yeah. what we might do to right. each other. Right. And, and so uh, God comes to him again in grace and he actually promises him protection. Yeah, it's so interesting. And he marks him. Yeah. You know, the mark of Cain is something that uh, we, we're probably not going to discuss that today, but maybe in 10 years when we get to Revelation and we talk about the, the mark of the beast. 
but uh, uh, it, it, it is connected to that, mm. you know, to be marked out by, by God. Um, one of the things that we're going to see in Israel is that they're marked by God. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we're going to see in the Passover is that they mark their door frames with blood to mark themselves for God. And then we're going to see in Christ, you and I, we take communion yeah. and we mark ourselves with the blood of Christ. And so this marking by God, this setting apart, this kind of calling out uh, is something that, that God does in protection and in mm-hmm. grace, and he offers this to Cain here. And the, uh, the word that we translate here as punishment, he says, my punishment is more than I can bear, that word uh, avon is actually typically translated as iniquity. Mm. And that kind of changes the meaning of the sentence, right? Yeah. It, it goes back to what we were saying. It's his iniquity. It's his doing. That is more than he can bear. Yeah. Not necessarily that God is angry with him, and so he's trying to hurt him. Yeah, against the consequences of our own actions that we oftentimes can't bear. Yeah. When we think about sin. Not an anger from God that's unjust. Right. Because he spilled the innocent blood. Right. God warned him and said, you can master the sin that's crouching at your door. He doesn't do it. Right. And he embraces death, and so it's his iniquity that puts him in this position. And actually here, what we see is that God gives him grace. Yeah. And he gives him grace in such a way that it's actually somewhat problematic for us. Hmm. You know, this does not fit our definition of justice. Right. Like, th- this is not eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That will come later in the law. Uh, one of the things you're going to see here in the next few chapters and books is that because this is the way that we are, we kill each other, God has to give his people rules and laws in terms of how to deal with that. Right? Yeah. Because, like, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth is not good. Right. It's not the ideal situation. No, of course there not. There should not be a first taking eye. of the eye. <laughs> but, yeah, there should be no eye right. that we have to take another eye for. But we insist on making things a little bit complicated. Yeah, because that's the way that it is. Right. Of now. course. I mean, we've already seen this. This is already more complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is really not our understanding of justice. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is God being merciful and long-suffering and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And so he meets Cain where he is. Mm-hmm. He alerts him that he's cursed from the ground yeah. because of the blood that he spilled onto the ground. Mm-hmm. And then Cain says, well, I'm going to die. And God says, no, you won't. Yeah. I'll protect you and I'll mark you. And so then 16 through 18. Yeah. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain made love to his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city, and he named it after his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Erad, and Erad was the father of Mahujel, and Mahujuel was the father of Methushel, and Methushel was the father of Lamech. You're not familiar with those names? No, not a name I encounter a lot, so yeah. bear so, with me. So Cain is is living now in Node, which yeah. in, the, in the Hebrew means wandering. Mm. And so I think it means he's living in the wilderness, you know? He's trying to make his... He's trying to... Not to, much out there, yeah. No, nah, preserve his life in the desert. Yeah. Because like I always say, remember this is the Middle East. The wilderness is not the jungle. The wilderness is the desert. Yeah, yeah. And so he's wandering... In, in Node. And as you can see in terms of uh, biblical geography, he's pushed further east. Mm-hmm. So when Adam and Eve sin, they go east they of go the garden. East. Yeah. And now Cain slays his brother at the door of Eden and is then pushed east of Eden. So we go east of the garden 
Now yeah. we've gone east of Eden. One of the things that you're going to see is Babylon. It's way to the east. Mm-hmm. And so the east represents, you know, eastward yeah. represents movement away from God in, in terms of biblical directions and cardinal directions and, Makes and, and all of that. And so he gets pushed further east and... Um, um, uh, on this topic, when when Israel enters the Promised Land after forty years of wandering, it's weird because the Jordan River runs along the east side of the Promised Land, mm-hmm. and they're coming kind of from the southwest from from Egypt, mm-hmm. and they circle all the way around so that they go through the Jordan River from the east towards the west, mm-hmm. and the reason is because this eastward movement, yeah represents away from God. And so coming into the promised land, it represents moving towards God. Interesting. So that's the symbol, mm. you know, aspect. Of, even even directions have have symbolic significance in, yeah. in the Bible. Um, and so uh, by the grace of God, he, he knows his wife, and he has a son named Enoch. Mm-hmm. And Enoch, um, uh, well, Cain cannot work the land because it won't give him its strength, and so he builds a city. Yeah, it's interesting that this quickly he starts building a city. Yeah, so so Enoch means dedicated. Mm. So it's like a, a son who's dedicated to God, probably for for mm. the grace you know that God that God has shown. And then Enoch has uh, Irad, which means fugitive. Mm-hmm. And then Irad has Mahujael, and uh, the, this means smitten of God. But like smitten, not in the the cute sense. Like, like we talk about smitten smite. by love, but like being smited. <laughs> and so even the names of the kids, you know, you can start to see it's yeah. getting a little bit dark. It is crazy that people would name their kids. Right. To me, as a modern person, something that means something like that. It's it's always fascinating to me in in yeah. the biblical narrative that people name their kids something like blotted out by God. <laughs> Just not how we name our kids anymore. <laughs> yeah, true, true. That would be a, this that is would my be a son tough. blotted out by God. Yeah, and you'll see the the significance of this. You know, I've heard somebody talk about how um, you know Abram Abram means exalted father, mm-hmm. and what is the main storyline of Abram's life? He is the father to many at the end. Yeah, but up until but up until point, then he, he doesn't have, have kids. kids. Yeah. So imagine living your life. Being named exalted, exalted father, father, fatherless, and and yeah, you, and and he and Sarah Sarai at the time have have uh, resigned themselves to being without kids, right? Because they're really old by the time God calls him and makes the promise to him. Mm-hmm. And so names mean a ton. You know, I think yeah. we we talked about this a few weeks ago in terms of the names that that we give people and what that means mm-hmm. to us. But um, you know, it's actually historically speaking, it's kind of interesting because the Hebrew in this sentence is somewhat unclear, and so um, you know it says that Cain built a city and then named it after his son Enoch, and then it talks about Enoch's son Irad. Uh, but but there is actually a way to read this in the original language where it says that Cain built a city um, and named it after Enoch's son Irad. Oh, interesting. And so the reason that's interesting is because in the ancient Sumerian, uh, which is like an ancient culture from around that same people group, and the the ancient Babylonians, they maintained that the first city ever built was Iradu. Oh, interesting. So there's this kind of common understanding of the first city. Yeah. Right? And, Yerad, and Iradu. Uh, what a different meaning to name a city 
after something that means dedicated versus something that means fugitive. Yeah, true. So it's an interesting true. thought point there. Yeah, the the building of a city is out of necessity. Yeah. Because the ground won't yield its strength to him. Yeah, right? you have to build protection. Yeah, and so um, according to the biblical picture, this is where city life comes from. It comes mm-hmm. from Cain, and it comes from him being unable to, to farm the ground like mm-hmm. he was originally supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here we are. They've got a they've got a line now, you know, like a family line. Yeah. Coming from them. And so let's read 19 through 22. Lamech married two women, one named Adah and the other named Zillah. Adah gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise, raise livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, who was the father of all who played string instruments and pipes. Zillah also had a son, Tubalcain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubalcain's sister was named Nama. Right. So what's the first thing that, that's wrong with this picture? He's got two wives. <laughs> He's got two right wives. Right away, yeah. So we, we, we read a few weeks ago Genesis chapter 2 where a man and woman are split apart, they come back together in marriage. Yeah. That's the picture of Christian marriage. Male and female is mm-hmm. the image of God. They've been split apart so that they can do the mandate of being fruitful, multiply, rule the earth, yeah. and subdue it. And in marriage, they unify together and come back together. Uh, but that's you know one man <laughs> and one woman. The math doesn't work in terms of the symbolism mm-hmm. and in terms of what that sacrament means mm-hmm. when you add multiple partners to it, right? Yeah. So. So here, you know, we have, um, I guess, what you call polygamy, right? right? Where, where a man marries multiple, multiple women. And so this is not blessed by God. Right. And you'll see that this is a common practice in the ancient world, and you'll see the kings of Israel practice this. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you're going to see, and this is why the Bible is so beautiful and enlightening, is sometimes people, even um, characters who we look at kind of as like maybe models of something good, they do things that are not blessed by God. And what you'll end up seeing is that there is tragedy in those things. Absolutely. So polygamy does not work for Israel. Yeah. It doesn't work for the kings. I mean, what 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 was Solomon's problem? Right. He had too many wives. Too many and wives. listened to all of their... <laughs> You know, religions and their gods. Yeah, and he was marrying for for uh, you know political reasons, right. and he was um, you know worshiping their gods, and so the fall of Solomon, which then leads to the splitting of the nation after yeah. his son, uh, can kind of be traced to this practice of polygamy. Yeah, and let's talk about. I mean, you said polygamy doesn't work for Israel in the sense of like a literal sense of it not working for their kings, but it also doesn't work for them being in a relationship with God. And this is what we'll see for the rest uh, of the Old Testament really is that good. polygamy doesn't work for Israel and God, for worship. right? Because God says, I'm your only God. Yeah. You can't worship other things and worship me. Yeah. And that's in the the prophets talk about this all the time. And, and this is their main sin. Israel is what's called, you know, adultery, adultery. idolatry, but adultery, adultery to God. Yeah. So you're an adulterous generation. Yeah. What the prophets call the, the people of Israel because, yeah, it's kind of like the polygamy that you see in, in the kingship with yeah. actual wives is happening in terms in the of nations. The, the divine yeah. marriage of, of, of uh, humans and God. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, that, that's, that's really, it's a really good point. Um, so it's not endorsed by God. Mm-hmm. Now, we have to see that in the Bible, not everything that's described is prescribed. 
Yes. Right? People get this wrong. You get this wrong. Polygamy is mentioned in the Bible, so people think, well, that must be endorsed. But it's not working, clearly. Someone, someone, um, and I like when people ask these questions. It's just an interesting thing. Someone texted me today because they're reading through the book of Judges, and they got to Judges 19, which is like a brutal scene of like Mm -hmm. rape, and it's, I mean, it's terrible. And, you know, their their question is kind of like, how can this be in the Bible? And the answer is like, well, because we do those kinds of things. Yeah, how can the killing happen in chapter four? Not because of God, but because of because of Cain. Right. Yeah. And that just because that happens certainly does not mean that that's prescribed. In fact, one of the most beautiful things about the Old Testament is it is such a self-critical analysis Mm -hmm. of their own people. Yes. They highlight the iniquity. Which is interesting because if you look at, you know, if you want to highlight the greatness of your nation, Mm -hmm. you want to look at the history books, really this is not the stuff that you'd want to look at. No. No, it's not. It's not a very good picture that they paint of it, right? And so so just because it's in there certainly does not mean that it's endorsed, and Mm -hmm. polygamy is not endorsed by God. And so... Um, that you immediately see that something is wrong. Now he has four children with these with these two women. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the wives are named Adah and Zillah, and so it's kind of interesting. Adah means dawn, mm-hmm. like the dawn of the morning or whatever. She has two sons, and uh, Jabal brings forth nomadic shepherding. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that is that uh, that's Jabal? Is it Jabal and Jubal? So close. Isn't that crazy Jabal to name your kids? Jubal. Jabal and yeah, Jubal. That's no. when you call for your kids, just both of them come running. <laughs> I, to don't know, name. I don't know what those You those cannot names distinguish mean that. Well, okay. Jubal, I'm interested in, brings forth musical instruments. Yeah. Makes me think of the word Jubilee. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if that's. I don't know. I don't know either. Good question. That's my musing there. Yeah. So, so, so Jubal brings forth nomadic shepherding. Jubal <laughs> brings forth. Musical instruments, the lyre and the flute, which actually are the earliest yes. and most simple instruments that we know of. Yeah. You and can carve a flute pretty easily out of just anything, right, really. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of, again, like the literal nature of the Bible. Like, I don't know if actually Jubal was the first person to ever make those, but those are the first instruments that we know of. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. It's very interesting. The first stringed instrument. And it's that, very interesting that, that that instruments are mentioned this early in the text. Sometimes we think that like that side of like art or oh, you yeah. know creation of art mm-hmm. and worship in in an artist's full sense comes much later, but it, it's here in chapter 4. Yeah. And so all this seems good, you know. Yeah. Dawn Dawn Ada gives birth to two sons who seem to be bringing civilization forward. It's like invention and progress and yeah. culture and Good things, right? Mm-hmm. And then Zillah means shadow. Mm-hmm. So, Not so good. Ominous. <laughs> and so her son Tubal Cain brings forth metal, iron, and bronze. Mm-hmm. And so again, doesn't have to be bad. In fact, taking those things and making things out of them is a good thing, right? Right. You can make technology that can do good things, but that 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 is also literally how weapons were made at this time, right? And so I think what this is pointing towards is the, the weaponry and, uh, you know, what we might do with these things. Right. So it's kind of interesting. Like, you know, these are the first generations that are being spoken of in the Bible, and within this very family you see good and you see bad. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty good depiction of humanity, right? Mm-hmm. This, this is what we see in people. This is what we see from even progress. You know, music and shepherding and the ability to take the raw elements of the world and to make something, those are all good things. But there's also the shadow side of all of that, yeah. right? 
And our technological age for us has ushered in medical advances and comfort and yeah. the ability to cure diseases and all of the, the, the prosperity that we get to enjoy. But it has also ushered and we have experienced the ability to kill at a scale that, that has never before been seen. Yeah. Right. The same brain that the same brain that creates an antibiotic, it's the same brain that creates a nuclear weapon. Right. You can you can use it for what you want to use it for. Yeah. So there be there they start to gain more things that they can steward for good or bad. For good or bad. Right. And so the the situation becomes more dire mm-hmm. as we gain these these larger scale like technologies. Right. And it's an interesting meditation on sin because, mm-hmm. like, even in the garden, like, was the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil inherently bad? No. No. It's what they did with it. Right. And so sin, and, and that's what Satan does, right? That's what the serpent in the garden did. Is he, he takes this thing that's actually good, and there's just this little twist right? where you can make it destructive, and he brings death into the world. My husband will love this. Here's our... our Spider-Man Uncle Ben moment. It is so akin to the famous quote mm. from Uncle Ben in Spider-Man with great power yeah. comes great responsibility, right? And go. so they're they're gaining power, but they have to leverage that well because the the results can be dire. Right. And sin is a disaster because it takes even that which is good and bends it towards Correct. the yeah. possibility of evil and destruction and kata, you know, yeah. missing the mark of being a human. So um, this is what we see in the first few generations from from Cain, and uh, we 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 get to to Lamech, and so Lamech starts to speak here. Let's do twenty three yeah. through twenty four. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zalah, "Listen to me, wives of Lamech. Hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech seventy seven times." Yeah. <laughs> So, wow. so yeah, you you start to see some stuff here. But one of the things you don't see because this sounds silly to you and I is that um, um, for for the culture at the time, this is a song of seduction. Mm. So like you can kind of understand like bragging okay. about yeah. you know yourself and how good you are or whatever. And so he's he's using he this is a song. Oh. Right? So okay. he's using the music and he's using this, this not, thing to brag. This is not a confession of sin. This is no, a bragging of sin. This is a bragging of sin. And he's glorifying okay. himself. Yeah. Which is the theme that we've seen so far. Are you going to glorify God or are you going to glorify something else? If it's yeah. something else, it's probably going to be yourself for, for, some, for some reason in some way. So he's glorifying himself with like a seductive song to his wives. You right. Know, about how... How good he is and how And crazy to brag, if Cain is avenged seven times, I'm much worse and I'll be avenged seventy-seven times. Yeah, and so um okay. So this is supposed to show the spiral of violence. Yeah. That that happens yeah. with, with sin. You know, he's literally bragging about being violent. And you think about what he's saying. Cain, uh Cain is avenged seven times. Who's avenging Cain to the seventh time? Yeah, God. God. Yeah. Cain's not so, avenging himself. Right. God's protection is that if something happens to you, I will avenge you to the yeah, seventh Yeah, so time. that's a pretty bold claim to say. Right. God can avenge me 77 times. And he doesn't even say that. He says that he'll he'll avenge himself yeah. 77 times. So again, Crazy. you're making yourself God. Yeah. You're making yourself better than God. You're glorifying mm-hmm. yourself and 
all of that Mm -hmm. as if you are God. And so just like in the garden, to take what is God's, which, you know, um, the prophets say vengeance belongs to the Lord. Yeah. Right? And so when Jesus says some of his, you know, sometimes Jesus can be confusing because he talks about peace and he talks about turning the other cheek and he talks Mm -hmm. about praying for those who persecute you. And yet at the same time, he has some of these deep pronouncements of judgment and wrath that's going to come from God. And that's just him taking the theology of the Old Testament, which is that um, vengeance is of the Lord. Yeah. It's not yours to have. Yeah. Right? And so we humans get in trouble with that, and you can already see right here in the very beginning that Lamech is struggling with this idea because he thinks that what God promised Cain is not enough, and if something happened to him, he would take that and take it to, to the to the nth degree. Right. Um. And so, uh, yeah, the, the, the depravity of sin and death has taken hold. And mm-hmm. what you saw in the garden and what you saw with Cain and his brothers now being multiplied yeah. on top of itself. Again, it's so sad because when you read something as devastating as Genesis 3 and you're as invested in the story, again, the hope is, well, they've, They've only got up to go from here, right? You feel like at the time from yeah. the, you know, the exile from the garden, you think, well, they've got to work to get better from here. And somehow it's much worse. It's yeah. so tragic. Spiral. Yeah. Tim Mackey calls it the spiral of depravity. Yeah. He says that Genesis 4 through 11 is the spiral of depravity. And so, so we're just getting started. Yeah, we're just getting started. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, but, but, but it's so true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That, you know, when we, when some of the language that we use as modern Christians is like we say the sin has a stronghold. Yeah. And what that means is that it's taken root. And the mm-hmm. reason that we use that kind of language is because something that takes root grows. Absolutely. Into something bigger. Absolutely. And when you talk to people about sin struggles, you know, it is talked about in a, in a spiraling way. Yeah. You know, there's uh, the the early church fathers, some of the desert fathers who were like severe, uh, um, what do you call it? ascetics? Yeah. Where they would kind of put themselves through this like torturous stuff to keep sin away from them. And, you know, that's certainly not like a lifestyle that I recommend necessarily to people. Like that's definitely yeah. a call from God to, to asceticism or things like that. But one of the things that we should take from them is that they did understand this. They took sin seriously. We, if you, we do not. If you let that lustful thought yeah. into your mind and you let it marinate and you let it sit there and you turn your attention towards it, that's going to become something. Right. If you take Cain, if you take that jealousy that he has about the sacrifices, mm-hmm. God says, don't let that don't master you. Don't let it you. fester. Yeah. I think he means that. Yeah. You know, you sit and you dwell on it. There's some really interesting um, um, studies of the brain that talk about uh, stewing. You -hmm. know, like when you let yourself stew on a a negative thought. Mm -hmm. And basically what you do when you do that is you're you're building synapses, like you're building electric connections. Mm -hmm. You're Mm -hmm. building something into your brain. And so when you get mad at your job, at your boss, and you drive home from work and you have that conversation where you give them a piece of your mind 50 Mm -hmm. times, that's not actually you venting in a healthy way. That is you creating something in your mind that's becoming real. Yeah, and and we we can do that with thoughts that end up becoming a much larger problem than they are because we've stewed on them. 
you ever have something small happen to you and by the time you're done thinking about it, it's like this huge thing. Yeah. And you're like so mad. And you tell someone else and it's like, oh, that's kind of small, dude. And like, even, that's kind of like not that big of a deal. And you're like, but I'm so, I'm so angry, angry about it. Well, I've been stewing about it all day. Right. Yeah. And even in the few weeks, you're like, why was I so mad about that? Right. Like, yeah. You it is kind of like, yourself yeah, mad about it. Absolutely. Because you, you know, and it's not necessarily to say that you should push all your feelings down. If my wife listens to this episode, she'll say, you know, I'm telling people to do what I do, which is push all my feelings <laughs> down. Because that's also unhealthy, right? right? In, sure. In, in ways. But, you know, the, the, you know, sinful thoughts can master you. Yeah. If you don't master them, that that's what this this whole story is telling us. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, you see here intergenerational growth of sin and violence and and uh, vengeance and mm-hmm. um, destruction and chaos and disorder. And so, Lamech is a picture of what we can become. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. there's this there's sexual immorality here. There's violence. Mm-hmm. There's self glorification, yeah, vain pride. glory, pride as the, the early church called it. Um, and so all of that is possible, and sin has the ability to build that into you. Yeah. We cannot look at the story and say, I would be so much better than mm. fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. It's a bad way to look at this narrative for the rest of the Old Testament, really. Yeah, especially when Jesus says, you know, yeah. you've heard it say you shall not murder, but if you have anger in your heart towards your brother, you've already murdered him. Yeah. <laughs> because right. that, we we don't get to come off, get off the hook anymore. Because because yeah. I really do read this story, and my initial reaction is like, "What a psycho!" Yeah, I would never do that. Cain just slayed his brother. Like yeah. that's crazy. I would never slay my brother. I have thrown him through a door before, though, <laughs> when we were growing up. <laughs> so like, how much better am I? And right. then and then you know Jesus when Jesus really doubles down on the Sermon on the Mount yeah. with some of his his ethical imperatives. Um, it, it takes all of that. It makes it a lot harder. To, to get away from and to say, I wouldn't go that far. Right, because he's already saying, he's saying you've already gone far. You've mm-hmm. already had that sinful thought. It's already festering. And he's saying in your heart is yeah. s- as, is such that you would do heart, something Your like heart that. wants to do it. Yeah. You're just saying, I guess I won't do it, but my in my heart I want yeah. to, which is not any better. Our hearts are still infected. Exactly, Yeah. exactly. Um, so let's close with 25 through 26. Yeah. And then uh, talk about what we're going to do next week. Adam made love to his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son, and he named him Enosh. At the time, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Mm. So we'll talk a little bit about this next, next episode, but again, you see the grace of God. Yeah. And you see a new son through whom people are going to begin to call on the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, like, this Cain and Abel thing did not go well. Abel's dead, and Cain has produced Lamech. Yeah. And so what is, what is God going to do? Is he done with humans? Mm-hmm. Are we gonna, is he going to let us destroy ourselves? And what you'll see over and over in the story is he's not going to let us destroy ourselves. And so here's again, is, is grace. Yeah, here's a new hope for— new hope. Star Wars, stop it. I didn't want you to. You're such a Star Wars person. Oh, sorry. My husband's a a Spider-Man reference, and I accidentally said a a Star Wars reference. (laughs) Well, you know, I think it's it's interesting that this still ends on a hopeful note. We still have that thread of the promise. The very last line is, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Right. And so still in all of this violence and all of this depravity, I mean, we've just read a whole chapter of violence and sadness and tragedy. Yeah. Here's that hope that 
someone somewhere is calling on the name of the Lord. Right. The grace of God. Mm-hmm. It's grace all the way down. That's yeah. one, of the, one of the things I want people to understand as we do this podcast is that that false depiction of grace in the New Testament, law in the Old Testament, it's not true. Yeah. That's, that is a false description and therefore a false bifurcation of, of the way that things were. We've seen grace so many times already in the first four chapters. Yes. God has met everything with grace mm-hmm. and almost nothing with wrath. Yeah, we are the ones who prescribe what we would like to happen, which is we'd like more wrath to happen usually. Yeah, because of our understanding of justice. Yeah. And we'll even see this in the flood. It's actually somewhat confusing. Mm-hmm. You know, does the flood come from God or is the flood man-made mm-hmm. in the sense of consequences? And so we'll talk about that. And I think that the answer is that it's both. Mm-hmm. But so far, it's just been grace upon grace upon grace. Uh, but but in summary, you can see how how drastically wrong it can go for humans. So quickly. You know, the, the violence of Cain that you see with him killing his brother, it like seethes within his bloodline and reaches a boiling point with Lamech, mm-hmm. who's talking about how he's going to avenge anybody who wrongs him 77 times. He's already slain a young man yeah. for, 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 you know, talking trash or whatever. Right. And so you see the sin in the garden is multiplied, and we as humans have in- incredible gifts of transformation. We can take the world and we can make it into something. We can bring beauty and goodness and order, and uh, but we can also take the world backwards. We can use those powers and chata. We can miss the mark and do yeah. exactly the opposite of what we're supposed to do. And we can bring evil and violence and death into the world, and that's what you s- you've seen in this last chapter. Um, so the only, the only uh, interesting thing before we close... Uh, and I don't want to get too much into this, but but the Bible interacts with other ancient stories, hmm. you know, and sometimes we th- that makes us suspicious. But when we stand up and we preach and we teach the gospel, we interact with our modern stories all the time. Yeah. Right. So that that doesn't. I mean, just be you know. So what we'll talk about is like there's a Babylonian flood story. There's flood stories from the Far East. There's flood mm-hmm. stories from almost every... I mean, there's uh, North American, Native American flood stories. Like, the yeah. flood story is universal. Yeah. And, you know, every every uh, culture or faith has a different uh, interpretation of what it means and what's happening in that mm-hmm. and what God is doing in that. Um, but you see the Bible interacting with these stories, and so um, the, the stories... Uh, the ancient stories of cities, a lot of them have to do with with a man being murdered and then mm. a city being built on his bones. Mm. So even like, uh, this is a little bit later, but like the story of Rome is the story of Romulus and Remus and they're, they're, they're brothers. And so they, they find this place and Romulus, who's one of the brothers, traces the city probably with a wall. And then his brother Remus jumps over the wall and tries to change the the city limits, uh, so so some kind of like questioning or rebelling against what what Romulus has set in that limit, mm-hmm. and so because of that, Romulus kills his brother. Sounds like something we just read. And that's how Rome is built. Now yeah. here's the difference: Rome looks at Romulus as being triumphant. Yes, in that, just like by the time we get to the end of this this chapter. There's pride and triumph in sin. Lamech thinks himself triumphant. Yes. And yet the picture that the Bible's painting is that not only are you not triumphant, you're missing the mark of being a human. Yeah. You're destroying the world. Mm-hmm. 
So this is one of the crazy things that happens when Christianity starts to take off is you have this exactly opposite narrative yeah. of a lot of parts of morality. Honor does not come from how many people you killed. But right. in a lot of, you know, ancient cultures, that was exactly how you earned honor. Exactly. You know, even David. Um, yes. I was going to say that earlier. Because the song that gets sung to Saul is that Saul has killed his thousands. David but has David's killed, killed ten thousands. And sounds like the song of sounds Lamech. Like, it sounds like the song of Lamech. It sounds like Romulus and Remus. Yeah. The the might is right. The 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 strong will survive. Um, but even David, you know, he he is that, and it seems like the the conquest and him as a king that is what uh, he's supposed to be doing at that time. But God tells him that David's not allowed to build the temple because he's a man of blood. Yeah. So even there, you see some kind of like, no, 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 like I know you're killing a lot of people and you're getting a lot of fame for that and you're like a mighty warrior, but something about this is not right. Yeah. And so there's these just antitheses that the biblical story brings to all of these ancient stories where the narratives are somewhat similar. A brother dies. Good for the brother who killed him because might is right. Yeah. And then the Bible says, no, the ground has cursed him because that's such a bad thing. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the the Bible is revolutionary in that way. I think we're all still tempted to do the whole might is right thing. Absolutely. And the Bible speaks to something else. Um, and so here we are. The end now, Seth has been introduced. Mm-hmm. And uh, next, uh, next time... We are going to talk about Genesis 5. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me, I'll preface this with two things. The first thing is that this is one long genealogy. That's all it is. Yeah. And so most people will skip this when they read it. This is like, if you're going to be tempted to skim, this is the first part you're tempted yes. to skim of the Bible. And look, I did seminary and I had to read through the whole Bible and I had to read entire books in a week. And so I skim these parts. Like I will yeah. admit that I'm guilty of that in any kind of annual Bible reading plan. I'm probably skimming these parts. There is importance in in these genealogies, yeah. which is like the gospel of Matthew opens with a genealogy, right. right? So like genealogies matter in the ancient world. And so it's important. It is important to read them, but of course we don't really know how to read them. And so we'll talk a little bit about what this genealogy means. And then I think we're going to talk about something very interesting because we're going to talk about how long these people are living Yes. In these genealogies. If you do read the genealogies, that's the the question that'll jump out at you right right away. So we're going to talk about what it looks like to interpret that. We're going to give some different options for what's going on there. And we're going to show that there's no need to be scared of stories like that. It's it's okay. Absolutely. It's okay. And so we have ended Genesis 4. We're really flying through this. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you guys are (laughs) all... Like, slow down. Let's, yeah, let's go. Yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. Well, uh, all right. Anything else, Jackie, before we wrap up? No. Come back next week to hear me butcher even more biblical names. Ooh, a lot of a names. whole chapter of me just struggling. I'm going to grade This you. is why you made me read. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right. All right. We will see you guys next week on Story Simple Spirit. Mm-hmm.